Hey everyone, welcome back to the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in on the other side of the globe, oh, about eight hours ahead of time, so maybe it isn't halfway around the globe. We have Chris Coco coming in from London. Chris, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, yeah. Nice to be here. Absolutely. You know, I am definitely, definitely looking forward to this conversation. I was listening to some of your tracks beforehand and uh i gotta say i love that chill out vibe uh the, the cafe del mar series has always been something that i've loved you know i haven't been to ibiza yet but i'm planning to get there soon um but definitely love the down tempo ambient stuff that you have going on so welcome to the show thank you you're welcome so you do a, a number of things i was looking in and researching uh on you and checking out you have We'll, we'll go into them one, one at a time, but the Melodica Weekly Series, Chill Out Tent, you do remixes, and you got your label, Disappear. Let's start with the Melodica Weekly Series. When did you start that? Oh, I've been doing that for about 10 years, which is really crazy. Um, I saw. Yeah, you have about 600, was it 691 episodes? Or, uh, that's let's a lot. See. <laughs> 691 shows, I should say, uh, yeah, that I okay. saw were on, up on Mixcloud. Um, were you doing it before before Mixcloud and then you moved the library over to Mixcloud or is that something you started with Mixcloud at um, the beginning? No, basically I met the guys from Mixcloud when they were starting the platform and um, they told me about it and showed me the beta of it and everything. So I started doing shows with them right from the start of that platform, basically. Um, Did you, were you... That, sorry go ahead yeah it, it's something that i do every week and it's a way of um it's a way of talking to people about new music and sharing music with um friends and it's a way for me as a dj it's a way of keeping up with stuff and processing music so that if you're not playing for a few weeks you don't get left behind and it's <laughs> yeah uh, it all so the other thing does is it makes me listen the way through, which is yeah. <laughs> a, a bad thing to admit, but um, it's so easy to skip music now. But if you're doing a radio show, you have to listen to the track, obviously, which is. Um, yeah. Are you uh, are you doing those as live streams through Mixcloud and then posting the audio or is this something you do, you know, uh, in the studio and then it, upload to Mixcloud? It, I record it because it goes out on um other radio stations as well at different times but i always do it as live so it's it's done in, in the time frame that it is i think that's really important because it's gives it a, it's a very different feel if you're talking about music while you're listening to music than you're just doing a dry clip on on i mean you must know this from the work that you do you know it's it's very different if it fit if it's live it feels different and um, there's an energy to to what you do, which is different. So I think that's really important. Yeah, in, in the early days of the show, I, I used to have to try to translate that energy as a live streaming DJ show, you know, translate that energy rather than just a DJ standing there and playing. Now DJs are more animated when, they, when, they're, when they're DJing. They're more, they're chatting, they're talking to the camera, they're engaging with the audience and doing that in the live stream. But back in the day, you had a lot of DJs and they were just sitting there like, and they weren't doing much, you know. So if you go back to the early episodes of the DJ sessions, I used to dance next to the DJs and be like kind of pump it up so they could feel something. Because a lot of DJs, they 
thrived off of playing in front of people at a club. And that's mm-hmm. how they could gauge how their set was going. Well, when you put them in a studio and there's no one in the studio, they were nervous because like, I can't tell if I'm doing good or not because I have no audience response. It was very interesting those early days of, of live streaming to, to see how that was, that was going. But yeah, trying to make that audience participation and everything go is, is interesting. And uh, is this just you are the, the sole uh, person that does the, the show or do you ever have guests on the show? Uh, very occasionally, but generally it's, it's me. It's like, it's a personal thing that I do and some people like it and people come and go, you know, people get really into it for six months and then they move off to something else maybe. Um, but it's, it's, I, it's totally is what it is. It's like me sharing my favorite records of the week with my listeners. And, and that's, it's a very, very simple, basic format of radio where it's a you have a kind of close relationship with the listener because you're just it's you you and them and you're talking and they're on you know they might be listening on earbuds they might be in bed they might be on the train wherever it is um and that's that's what i love about radio it's very very simple you know it was it was funny when when i started first doing a live streaming dj show a lot of people would say well Who's going to want to watch a DJ online? Mm. Or, and I say, well, most people just don't stare there and sit there and stare and watch the DJ like this the whole time. They're usually putting the music on in the background. But one of the interactivity that I like the interactivity of, like you said, they're interacting with the show. They're having an experience where, you know, they're, they're um, kind of becoming more familiar with you as a person through the show rather than, you know, just a set that might be something they can download and listen to. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So awesome stuff. And you started something a few years back called, was were you the principal on this? The chill out tent. Can you let our DJ sessions fans know about the chill out tent? Yeah. I mean, that's, that came out of um, the pandemic basically because um, when those first lockdowns, started everybody was you know obviously everyone was very scared and nobody knew what was going to happen and um all all the creative people didn't know what to do because all our all our work suddenly stopped so i one day i just thought okay actually i'll tell you how it started it's like i saw that defective records were doing a a live stream and i watched the first one of those and i thought what they need is like another room because they've got the big room, you know, with the big banging, banging tunes, which is great. But they need another room where you can go to some of the time, listen to some different music and, and chill out. Um, so I literally just uh, sent an email to some friends and said, I'm going to do a stream next week. Do you want to do something? And because no one had anything to do, like almost everybody got back and said, okay, you know, what do we do? Um, and then I worked out that the internet in my house is so bad that I couldn't do it from here. So it became slightly more complicated than I thought it was going to be. But um, we did get it together. The first one that we ever did, um, we had an, a live stream from Ibiza and it was a really good idea because it was going to be Ibiza sunset live stream. Every, everyone's in lockdown. No one can go outside in Spain. So it's going to be great because you can watch the sunset um 
fantastic idea. You, do you agree? I think so. I, I definitely agree. Absolutely. Anything streaming, all streaming, all the time streaming. <laughs> One problem that we had was it was a cloudy day. Oh, no. So we had an one-hour stream of looking at some clouds and some grey sea with some nice music, but the most interesting hour of streaming or TV or anything that you've ever seen. But at, in the moment, it, it was it was live, like we were talking about. It was live. That's what you get. It's a cloudy day. <laughs> um, that's what's going to happen. But um, obviously, when I, we learned a lot from doing that. I recently got into events, and when I say doing my own events, I've been going nightclubbing, out nightclubbing, and doing stuff for 30-plus years. But it wasn't until around 2017 I started putting on my own events. And luckily, we did these rooftop parties, and there was an indoor and outdoor location. And we live in Seattle, which is not unlike the weather in London, although you probably get a lot more fog there than we do. But, um, you know, it's basically, you know, you never know if it's going to rain or if it does rain. It'll say precipitation, but we have like 300 different types of rain. So if it's going to be a light sprinkle and it's going to just douse on the city, it might be for 30 seconds. But the forecasters say, expect rain today. But it'll be like a yeah, little light yeah. sprinkle or it could be a torrential downpour or a series because we're in a, a place where it dumps the rain. We're at the right tail end before it dumps the rain right before it goes over the mountains. So, you know, we've been out there before and, and, uh, you know, setting up our silent concert, silent disco events at parks, and it's sunny, beautiful, and then all of a sudden, a torrential rain downpour comes, and we don't have a tent covering us. We're running with the gear to try to get it undercover, and we know how that can happen at events. But you know, the heart is in the right place, and you you learn from those mistakes, and you you come back and you try it again. I think the effort is commendable. I think the show idea was amazing. I tune in and love to watch a sunset sessions with especially the type of type of music i'm sure you if it's anything towards what you play mm. uh you know in, in what i know of you after researching i would love to be a, not only would i love to be there on the beach with you but i'd love to be watching something like that are you going to revisit that and bring that back to abita um i think i mean since the since the the lockdowns have lifted we've, do, we've done less more live events because we because we can do that we do a um a bi-weekly um residency here in london we we worked on a festival called where love lives which was a, a, a weekend event um in the south of england a few weeks ago which was really nice um like a small event just a few hundred people but really 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 nice vibes so we're working on more things like that we're also uh, it's connected to some of the other things we're going to talk about to um label and releases so we made um a compilation which I actually made a CD as well, which which I have here, so I can show you. That's volume one, correct? The chart in volume yeah. one. Um, so obviously it's digital, but we did a CD as well because um, people like CDs still. Some people like CDs, so we made some. Um, you know, and uh, you still have those available up on Bandcamp, correct? Yeah, they're on the they're on the Bandcamp page. Yeah. Yeah. That is on the Bandcamp page. We got that queued up free show on the Bandcamp page. Go check out <laughs> oh, that, that's uh, that's Chill Out Tent but, Volume um, 1, limited edition, compact disc. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, that pressing vinyl. Obviously, there's like a long wait list. It almost takes about a year right now to get any vinyl press. And I was talking with another artist last week, our, our, Arroyo Yolo, and, and he surpassed the vinyl. And he went and made cassette tapes. 
And I was like, well, there is a market for cassette tapes. And he actually used a Tascam recorder to record some of his music that he, that he makes because he really liked that, that tape sound um, and then said, oh, well, can't get vinyl. Let's put it down on cassette tapes. And I know that, that that's kind of making kind of a, a little bit of a comeback too as a way to, well, you got a tape mix. I mean, it goes back to the days of me making mixtapes when I was a kid so we could play them in the car stereo or at home. You know, and even recording songs off the radio, putting them on tape, and then making them tape with a dual album. So that's awesome. Yeah, compact discs—they're out. There. I think those are still viable mediums that are out there. Um, and when you're playing uh, events, do you prefer larger scale events or or more intimate style events? Uh, honestly, it depends. I mean, I think the the best connect you the you get a better connection from a, a smaller event. Um, but the large, larger things, which I don't play that much now because of the, the type of music that I play, is I'm usually in the, the second room or the, the smaller stage. But that's okay because it works for the music that I love. Um, but obviously there's an amazing energy from those big, those big events. But I think the bigger the event is, the less connection there is personally between you and, and the people who are there. Um, mm. It's more of a show, you know, like you wave your arms about a lot and stuff like that. But <laughs> You know, I was, I was just talking with one of my DJs about the fact that, you know, she had just gone and seen Ferry Corstein. And uh, give a shout out to DJ Hay if she's watching. Uh, she just saw Ferry Corstein and managed to get very up and close and personal to the front of the stage with Ferry. And the experience was just so meaningful to her because she was able to be right there next to the artist, you know, mm -hmm. rather than being like, I was at EDC last year for my first time. And that was kind of a, I've been to some massive, some big festivals, but EDC, I was just felt so far removed from the artist that, I mean, they literally were this big, mm -hmm. even, mm -hmm. even Shaquille O'Neal, the world's biggest DJ looked like he was this big. <laughs> Cause that's what he says <laughs> on his Twitter. He's the world's biggest DJ. Um, yeah. you know, but you know, and, and it's, 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 it's great to see that massive of production. I like that scale of production, but I always did love that more intimate chill vibe, especially in a, in a down tempo chill atmosphere where you're kind of sitting back, you can have a martini, have a drink, have a conversation. You're not necessarily mm -hmm. screaming over the music. It's just atmosphere and it's, it's there. I, I would always loved that. Um, I, I frequently listen to a, a internet radio station called Soma FM. Are you familiar with them? Yeah. yeah. Out of San Francisco. Groove Salad yeah. is one of my top internet stations that I listen to. If I'm not listening to other music, like if I'm driving in the car or if I'm at home working, everyone knows. Or if I'm having friends over for drinks, it's Groove Salad <laughs> in the background. No matter where it goes all the time. Actually, I think I'm, I'm going to figure out a way on my tombstone to put a solar panel. So when people want to come to my tombstone, they want to play <laughs> Groove Salad. It's like, I'm listening to Groove Salad. I'm playing. You know, it's like, that was Darren's favorite station. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's about, you know, like you said, connecting with the audience. I think that's a really great thing to do and be able to see and, and, and feel that vibe. Um, your latest remix that you came out with recently was that, that was Summer Days, correct? Mm -hmm. And I was I was listening to that up on Spotify beforehand and clicked into a number of other songs as well. Um, awesome stuff there. I mean, how often are you making remixes as opposed to doing your own productions as well? Or do you do your own productions for your label? Yeah, I mean, I, I prefer my own productions because it's um, 
I don't know. Remixes are weird. Remixes are strange because it's kind of it's like a job a lot of the time. I mean, the one that we're talking about, the Summer Days one, um, is an old friend of mine, um, Orchidea, who's a it's actually a trance DJ, so it's from a completely different world. Um, one of the the biggest DJs in Finland, um, and he's famous in the whole of Northern Europe. Uh, he also uh, loves chill out music that he plays at Cafe de Mar sometimes. Is it you know? This is like his secret love is is chill out music. So um, he sent me a couple of tracks and I kind of went, you know, I like it, but I'd really like to remix this one because it feels like I could do something really nice with it. <laughs> so that was a kind of proper labor of love thing. And um, he's he's very happy with the results and, and so am I. Generally, I think it's what's really good about remixes and also working with other people on your own productions is that as soon as someone else gets involved, it changes the uh, the feeling that you get. You don't. It's it's when you're when you're producing on your own, it's really easy to get lost because you're kind of you're you're making something, but you're also trying to analyze it. And do you, do you see what I mean? So you're mate, you're you're playing something on a synth, but you're also trying to think whether it's good or not, rather than just playing it. Whereas if you're working with someone else. Either you're playing and they'll tell you if it's rubbish or good. Um, and if you know, if if I have my, my friend Nick, who's a really great guitar player, around, um, I can do the same. I can say I really like that bit. Do some more of that that riff, you know. And so I think the collaborative part of um, making stuff is really important. Um, it's a lot easier to actually get things finished. And um, I do a lot of work with a guy called George Salah, who's a DJ from Ibiza. He's a percussion player as well. Um, and even though he's in Ibiza and he won't leave Ibiza because he loves it so much and he hates traveling now, he's traveled too much and he just wants to stay there. But even the idea of knowing that I'm making a track with him, it's like he's he's standing here behind my shoulder and he's kind of like, smoking is smoking what he smokes and kind of going nope 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 that bit <laughs> and that's really helpful it sounds it sounds a bit silly but it works for me you know absolutely and you have the label it it, it looks like it says dsppr but that stands for disappear yeah and, that's cool. um, you know what can we expect from the direction of your of your label this year and and going into 2023 um, the, I mean, the, obviously, there's a lot of my own stuff, but a lot of these collaborations um, that I was just talking about, um, I'm making, for example, a really nice album with George because George is a bit obsessed with the kind of early 2000s kind of chill out sound. People, people like uh, Thievery Corporation and Buzu Bayou, um, Zian and Camion. Um, this kind of like dubby, slight, slightly dubby beat, beats based stuff that kind of doesn't do a lot, but it's got enough hooks that you want to keep going back to it. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're, this is what I've been working on in the last couple of weeks is mixing tracks for that. Um, and it's going to be called Island Vibrations because it's, he's on an island and it's, it's all about, it's all about rhythms basically. What we've done is, we started with 10 different rhythms 
and then we've kind of gone seen where those go where they go to so there's um like uh samba and a rumba and a nyabingi reggae rhythm and a one drop reggae rhythm and uh what's it called guaguanco rhythm all these different rhythms and then we obviously they've gone off when our in our own on our own tangents from that point but that's been like a really super project um really really good fun to do so that there'll be that there'll be a chris coco album like more chill out tense stuff there's so many things happening at the moment it's it's uh a bit silly really but you know we're gonna take we're gonna take an audience question right now because i think this is relevant uh this is from zick lurgo and it is how many tracks do you produce in a month and how many end up being released on average it really varies because um from i never really worked it out um i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm producing stuff all the time obviously there's some months when i'll be doing a lot of djing and very little production and then usually in the winter it's like every day in the studio um but i don't know in a year maybe maybe really don't know probably maybe maybe 30 tracks in a year i might produce which is actually quite a lot so um but some of them most of them never get finished maybe some stuff might take two three years to be released because it's hard to know where it fits together it's like it's nice to make collection it you don't need to make something called an album anymore because you don't have to put something on vinyl and then be in that format but it's nice to make a collection that kind of makes sense in some way um mm -hmm. so i mean obviously again in the pandemic i did a lot of stuff as a lot of people did produced a lot of stuff um, but don't necessarily know what to do with it. I collaborated with a guy from Italy called DJ Rocca, um, mm -hmm. who's a, a, a great producer and a, a great person, lovely person as well. Um, so there's an album that I made with him, which is going to come out somewhere at some point, but who knows where and when. So I would, I would, I mean, if it's a you know question from somebody who produces music, I think the answer is. The, the key thing is to split the functions up. So make stuff, like concentrating on make stuff, get excited about making it and try and finish it in one way or another. It's not going to be perfect because you're never going to make a perfect track. And then leave it for a little while and then come back a, with a different head, headspace and go, okay, what can I do with this? Who, who might like it? Where can I release it? You know, do I do it myself? What, who's it aimed at? And all those questions. But don't do, try and do both at the same time because I think a lot of people do that. They're kind of like, you know, get a, get a nice drum pattern and think, this is going to be a massive hit. Tiesto's going to play it, whoever it is. You know, and it's not finished. You've got to, the hardest thing is actually finishing stuff. Um, and then the, then after that, the hardest bit is working out what to do with it, but you can't do both at the same time. You know, it's, it's, I always love it when guests don't know the questions I'm going to ask on the show and they kind of just segue or lead into right into what I was going to ask or, <laughs> or say exactly. Cause I mean, my question I was going to ask you was do, when you make music, do you, with the, do you make music with the intent of making it a popular track 
or do you make music solely to satisfy yourself and success is a nice side effect? And you kind of just answered that, you know, um, you know, in a, in a, in a roundabout way, I was like, is he reading my questions? Can he see my screen? I think there's a load of people who make music who basically the joy is making music and that's it. Um, but I think the danger with that is you can become very self-indulgent, which is fine, but you can't, what I'm trying to say is you can't be totally self-indulgent, make something that is just for you and then expect other people to like it. Other people might like it and it might be massively successful, but if it's only for you, it's also possible that only you will like it. So I think when I, when I'm making stuff, I'm always, it's, I, I need to have an idea or a concept of what, it's supposed to be but there is an element of the making where i want it to be out in the world um and not just for me like i don't have don't just keep stuff on my hard drive that's my favorite thing and listen to my own music all the time i don't do that um so i think there's an, an element of that but you can't really expect um lots of other people to like something just because you think it's really good. I think that's the thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it really work like that. I mean, I, the way that I look at it actually is like each of the, each of the tracks is like when it's finished, when it's been mastered, it's then it's like a, a little, um, a little child or a little creature that, no longer belongs to me and then it goes out into the world which is usually now obviously digital and it has its own life and sometimes they you know they go out into the world and they do good things and then they send me some money back which is really <laughs> great and other times they go out into the world and they they don't do so much but that's okay because that happens sometimes you know and you've got to love all your children <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was reading through your bio and, and a name popped up in there that kind of kind of hit close to home in a sense of things. But it was funny because not very well known in the States or at least not known to a lot of people that I know. Um, and I had been listening to this gentleman for a long time. You were a tour DJ for Robbie Williams. And, mm. um, you know, it was funny. I was just in a gathering, a group of people the other day, and they put on rock dj which is one of my top favorite songs by him I, I just love that track it always pumps me up and gets me going back in that era when he was doing you know supreme and that i was actually in a grocery store no i was shopping at like a target or something the other day and supreme comes on in the background it's a weird robbie williams moment uh over the over the course of the last month that i hear a couple of his songs out there but a lot of stateside people aren't too familiar with them but uh <clears throat> just one of those that was that that must have been a lot of fun being part of that uh when when was that that was ages ago. It was, uh, ages ago. Yeah, I figured it was probably 20 years ago. 2006, yeah. Okay, yeah, probably about 16, yeah. 15 years ago. I, did, I so, just saw that name pop up and I was like, oh, Robbie Williams. Yeah, I love Robbie. I love Robbie. Yeah. Um, fun stuff. So that was before the kind of the era of the superstar DJ. So Yeah. Was, yeah, and you know, you have seen, I mean, doing stuff starting in the 80s, you've seen the rise of electronic music, obviously in Europe, but also in the U.S. And do you feel that electronic music has become too commercialized? 
I think, I mean, it, 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 the, the short answer is yes. The, the longer answer is there's always been commercial music and underground music and <laughs> there always will be. And the stuff that I like has always been generally the more underground stuff, which sometimes gets into the charts, you know. But um, I noticed on your on your feed that people talking about EDM and saying, you know, what do you hate most about about EDM or whatever? Um, and the uh, the answer is honestly, it's like it's another world, you know. It's like um, it's like if you want a, a stupid analogy, it's like the difference between your yeah Seattle. Okay, it's the difference between your local coffee shop where you know the guy behind the counter, and they make you a special little smiley face in your in your Oat, oat flat white or whatever it is and starbucks you know it's like they're two they, they both sell coffee but they're completely different things and some people like the big one lots of people like the big one but i would i would go rather go to the the local store and if that happens you're not gonna you're not gonna be the guy who makes millions and millions and millions of dollars but you're gonna get a really good coffee it's so funny you use the, you use the mixed, Starbucks mixed reference. Analogies, but I mean, no, it was a I mean, that was like... a beautiful, beautiful analogy, and the fact that we're based out of Seattle and Starbucks is based out of Seattle as well. That's what I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was perfect, and it's so funny. Yeah, you did see something come in. I wanted to bring the I was I was going to cue this question in from. Um, I hope it's cue iron it. Uh, is there something? that is really messed up in the DJ scene and how would we go about changing that? How does the community start to change that if there is something messed up out there? I don't know. I mean, it's, there's so many, I think the, 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 I don't know. What's the worst thing about the DJ scene? I think what, what I still love about the, the, the DJ scene is it's, is when it's kind of pure and it's people sharing good music having having a good time um and it's not supposed it's supposed to be about music and community and friendship and inclusivity and when i started going to clubs it was about finding a space where you felt um you could be yourself and you could be safe and all these things that are kind of cliches now but um they're, they're still as valid now as they were then i think and they you know, it's valid for the next generation of people who face prejudice in day-to-day -day life. For me, that's what, you know, the club scene's about. It's not about a giant event sponsored by a, a giant superstore and somebody taking lots of money for pressing a few buttons, you know. But that exists. I'm not part of that. Um it exists. What can you do about it? I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to spend hours complaining about it because it's it's kind of a waste of time. You know? No, I, I remember. Or it's okay. still the same. You know, it's that. It's the club scene is about that. It's about finding a safe space that you can go and be yourself, whoever you are, whatever I, your background. I remember the early days of when I would go to the raves. Uh, this is early '90s in in Seattle here. And it really was a hodgepodge of everyone and everyone was accepted. Yeah. And it was very, I, mean, I know, like you said, it's become a cliche now in the sense like this is, we are, but it really isn't. Uh, unfortunately, 
Um, it, 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 but it was like you would have, uh, if you go to the 80s terms, you had the preppies, the jocks, the goths, tan, the dancers, the, the, the gay community. You know, everyone was coming together and it, it just all hodgepodge. And there were no labels because we were all there for this first time really experiencing the music in a way that had never been done before. And it wasn't underground. I mean, the Rays were underground in the sense of things, but uh, they weren't underground, like in some dingy warehouse in the sense of things. These were massive parties of two, three, 4,000 people, sometimes even bigger than that. And everyone was just getting along, you know, yeah. and you'd want, and you'd, it'd be a, Hey, I mean, if somebody came and had problems, they were usually ushered out. Like it wasn't allowed to be that behavior, but that getting along was just there before it became commercial uh, mm -hmm. in the sense of things. And now you have the, the big festivals and, you know, I get the big festivals, but I'm more of a fan of the festivals where you go, you go camping at and you're, it's like an all inclusive and you can go see something and come back to your campsite, get something to eat and go. Not the ones where it's like, okay, it's not that I have anything against them, but you know, you got $500 for a wristband to get in and then it's $8 for a bottle of water and you're trapped oh, in there. Yeah. And if you exit to go out to your vehicle, you are not allowed to go back into the event. You know, you don't have those kind of in and out privileges. I'm more the type of open air, big hit. You almost say Burning Man kind of festivals or, you know, um, all inclusive festivals that I personally like because you can take it in strides uh, rather than try to be there all day and then sit and go, okay, we're trapped for another six hours until so-and-so goes on stage. <laughs> Before we can go back yeah. to the car, and then we got to go back to the hotel room if I want to sleep. You know, there's nowhere to really go. But um, yeah, um, who is your favorite artist outside of electronic music, and why? Goodness, I really, I, I don't like it when I have to try and choose one artist. Because <laughs> it honestly, changes like, you know. You don't have to choose one, but, but you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you can, a few, a few of your top, how about a few that you may be listening to right now? I don't Again, honestly, I have to go, I have to, I'm on my laptop, so I have to look at what I've been listening to because I don't, I don't remember any of this is so much stuff. I mean, most of the stuff that I listen to is within, within my area of, of music like i'm not a you know i i i delved into the um the beyonce album because um a friend of mine produced one of the tracks and that was that was actually really interesting there's actually some really good stuff on it you know again it's not because it's a like big pop record i wouldn't normally listen to that but um i was actually quite surprised so that was a good lesson because actually i should should do that more but um for me it's a it's kind of about uh discovery and friends and it's it's that world i mean just looking at my little list here there's this guy called lover l-o-v-a l-o-v-a who's a guy from italy who's making like really nice well this is electronic music so that's not answering your question is it but um it's, no, it's um, outside you know, outside of electronic music or really, is that inside of electronic music inside like inside electronic oh. music yeah um you know, making really nice kind of down-tempo music at the moment. I think he's really good. But that's like a new artist, and that's, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him, for example. Um, on the on the DJ front, I'm, I'm working this weekend. We're doing a chill-out th chill tent uh, thing at a festival called Camp Festival. Um, 
really really great and this fits in with another one of your questions that was on your stream which a uh, really great uh female dj called sonido tupinamba who's from barcelona um and she plays uh, a lot of latin music mixed with disco house stuff um and i think she's really i mean i, I booked her to come and come and play because um she i think she's a great great dj and i think she you know Okay, again, it's in the world of specialist music, but it's not electronic. It's like everything but electronic. Um, she's really, really great DJ um, and someone for the future, for sure. I'm, I'm going back and, and try. Was that the, uh, was that the um, who's your favorite female DJ? No. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I don't, I'm not going to put that question. <laughs> but I saw Ballard SCA. Yes, you're always in there. I see you asking those questions. I'm going to put that one up. <laughs> well, there's the answer. Anyway. There's, a follow, there's a follow up to that question. I'm not going to put that one up, but I, I do know no, the question up there. The answer is no. She's already got a girlfriend. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at least these questions are vetted, and we know that they're asking questions that sometimes we ask out there. Um, do you remember the. Okay. Well, I was going to ask, do you remember the first record that you bought? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I don't know. What was it? I remember some of the first records that I bought. God, I think it might have been an album by Queen, you know, <laughs> which is a bit embarrassing, really, but there wasn't a lot of good music around at the time. <laughs> God, the first dance record that I bought was um, Step by Step by Divine, which is like a um, massive arpeggio really 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 long 12 inch single i think that was the first 12 inch single that i bought uh what was yours first album that i bought exactly. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an album it wasn't an album i think the first album the first cassette tape i think i bought was with my own money was either paula abdul straight up or it was Depeche Mode Personal Jesus nice. on, on single well, cassette. Good yeah, I think I think it might have been. It was right around the same time when cassette singles had come out, and they were selling for like ninety nine cents. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember rocking that out. I remember my mom. I was I was kind of dancing to it in the car, the Depeche Mode one, not Paula Abdul, but uh, was dancing that in the car. And I remember my mom kind of looking over at me, going. What's my what's what what's this guy? What's he listening to? You know, don't 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 your own. You know, and I was just like, I really love that track. I let whole the Violator album was just phenomenal. Yeah. And then and then later in life, I started you know working in a music store, and it was every paycheck you buy the three CDs or four CDs that came out. How that goes and build the collection. But yeah, I think that was it. I mean, I I had. The first concert that I ever went to and the first tape I think my brothers ever gave me was the Beastie Boys License the Ill album. Nice. Um, oh, no. You know what? I think it was Raisin Hell by Run DMC was the What's first tape I ever asked to get because I was I was getting into rap music at that time. It was about 80, whatever, 80s, 80. I was probably eight years old, maybe nine, maybe 10 years old at the time. Uh, no, because Beastie Boys was 86, so I would have been 12 when I went to my first concert. So Run DMC might have come out in 85 with Raisin Hell. 
I think it was one of the first ones. And I remember it had a sw- they swore one time on the record. And every time <laughs> I was singing the song, my dad, my, my parents knew I memorized the whole damn album. So it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I tried to bleep that out so I wouldn't get in trouble for saying the swear word. But it's like, we know you know the swear words, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that was, I think Raising Hell was actually the first one. But my, I grew up uh, listening to Queen, Super Tramp, you know, Fleetwood Mac. Um, my dad was heavy into to all of them a lot. Um, so yeah, love, yeah. love growing up with Freddie. Um, now, what is an essential track that is out right now that no one should miss out on and, and why? If you could take a track that you're like, this is going to be playing this weekend, this is going to be in my set. What's something that should be in everyone's mix right now, especially when it comes to your genre, the, the down-tempo ambient kind of genre? What's, a, what's an essential track no one should miss out on right now? Again, I've got to look in my little folder, haven't I? It's like, there's so much stuff, honestly, it's just crazy. Um, I'm not, probably not that. How long have I got? <laughs> I mean, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you that, yeah, there's quite a few things, different genres. There's there's one track which, it, I, um, Full disclosure, it's on my label, but it's called She Misses You. It's by this um, producer called Sun Life, who's from southeast London, so not far from here. And it's an ambient track, but it was it's basically um, a soundtrack he made for a, a movie that his friends were making, but they never finished making the movie, but he ended up making the soundtrack anyway. That's a beautiful, beautiful track. Um, what else is there? There's... Um, the new one from Eddie Chacon, state, stateside, California, lo- location, which is really lovely. Like, I think he's, he's a great, great artist. Um, and that, that's, I'm just thinking of things that are on my radio show next week. Um, <laughs> there's the, uh, you know, Krangbin? Band called Krangbin. No Krangbin. Three-piece no. three bands, kind of dubby. I don't know what you call it. World music, if you like. Um, they've they've just made an album with this guy, and I don't, I can't remember where he's from, and it doesn't tell me, and I can't pronounce his name. It's um, Vierfaka Toure. Um, so he's from Africa, but I don't know which country, which is a bit embarrassing. But um, they made an album with him, and that is amazing that's really beautiful um there's a band from london actually i don't know if they're from london but they're from england anyway called kokoroko you're like about about a 10-piece band really great live um again like uh god uh world music influence live trumpets guitar bass drums um three or four vocalists their album's really super lovely. Um, mm-hmm. So much stuff. I mean, that's just a few. There's a few. <laughs> and, you know, thank you for that. That's a, that's a very extensive list. Everyone go and look those artists up. And uh, you can always rewind, pause, rewind the show and get the names. Use that Google search engine or Bing search engine or DuckDuckGo if you go that route. Uh, here's a question for you. Because since we were talking about big name bands like Queen earlier, you uh, two and the Rolling Stones, and even some DJs like Carl Cox, have been rocking stadiums, events, big name events for forever and a day. 
Carl Cox just turned 60 years old. I don't know how old you are, but do you see yourself DJing at, at old age? Is there, is there some age that you could say, I'm going to retire from this? I don't know if I've been asking this question for a while. Is there an actual retirement age for DJs? And, and you know what, when, it, when, um, when I was started out playing in the Acid House days, which was obviously a really long time ago, I was kind of joking, saying, I'm going to be playing Promised Land by Joe Smooth in old people's homes one day. Um, and I still think that that's true, you know, because um, I think that, you know, you can see those like old ravers who are still raving um, and there's old DJs who are still DJing. And I think it's fine as long as uh, I tell you what, the, the thing that changed for me, that changed it for me and when I realized that I don't think you're going to give up DJing because it's just like if music is what you do, then you're going to be listening to music and collecting music and playing music, even if it's just to your friends in your house, you know, when someone comes around, you go, hey, listen to this new record. But, you know, in a way that's DJing, isn't it? Um, so I don't think there's a retirement point from that point of view. But the thing, the thing that changed it for me was like, I've got two kids and it's like, I think there's a point where you've got to let it go to the next generation. Cause like there was one point, there was one time when I was DJing and I was looking at the audience and I was looking at this girl in the audience and I was thinking, wow, she's really pretty. And then I was thinking, but she would want to go out with my son, not with me, <laughs> you know? And it was like this moment that I always remember. And it was just like, okay, it's like, in a way I shouldn't be here. That's like someone who's, 22 should be doing this and not me at this point so i think it depends what you're doing i think the stuff that i do is fine because it's it's timeless and ageless and you can be you can be a little kid or you can be an old an old woman and it's it's absolutely fine to to listen to this broad range of chill out balearic music and it's fine to play music for sunsets in, in to up to your last dying breath i think that'd be a great way to go wouldn't it you know, so um, absolutely. I think you have to be like, I don't know, I don't want to use the word. You just have to be aware of of your age and who you are and not be stupid, I think. I, I like the way that you said it, it'd be the way to go, because earlier in the conversation, I said, I'm going to try to take it with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Didn't you? That's right. <laughs> You've got I'm not letting it go. Move salad playing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, uh, what has been the best decision you've made in favor of your artist career? There's one thing you could say. <laughs> I did this, and this is the best thing I could have ever done. What would be the best decision you ever made in favor of your artist you career? Know, the, the honest answer to that is like all the best things that I've ever done were not my decision. <laughs> it was like, it was like um, uh, more luck than judgment. Not, I mean, no, it was more like process than, than that. I don't think there's anything where I've gone like, you know, I'm going to go after this thing. I'm going to get it. And it's, and it's happened. It's always been like, Hey, I'm going along and I'm playing this music. And it's like, Oh, someone wants me to do this radio show. Okay. That turned out to be a good decision saying, okay, but it was, do you see what I mean? <laughs> um, and I think that's, I don't know. I think some, some artists and DJs are really driven and they'll, 
push, 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 push. But I think if you're like a, a, a music lover, uh, you love making music and playing music, and then that's the main thing. And it's it's kind of not really conducive with being a good business person and, you know, going out and getting stuff. I mean, maybe that's just I me. Wonder- yeah, I once a long time ago interviewed a, a DJ by the name of Paulo Mojo. I don't know if you've heard of Paulo before. And um, I was interviewing him and said, you know, what was the best thing you've ever done for – he was running a label at the time. He said, what's the best thing you've ever done for your label? He said, not having me run it. Okay. Because he was, trying to, he was trying to be a DJ and run a label, and he literally ran it into the ground. And then he said, you know what? He went and hired somebody to run his label for him. And it started just exponentially growing and getting better and better as somebody was running his label. And, you know, I can relate to that kind of, of, of catalyst when, you know, the DJ sessions for me was my baby for 11 years, pretty much. It was me running every aspect of it. And it wasn't until um, 2020 that I brought on one assistant to just help me do some outreach, send some emails every week. And then that led to me hiring somebody out of the UK to do PR and outreach. And then it led me to get in a, a virtual assistant over in Thailand. And then it led to me getting a you know, website developer team and a mobile app developer team and a virtual reality developer team. Wow. And now I have a team of DJ, of resident DJs as well that we, you know, about 20 DJs that we're growing as well. And now we have this, if I put down a list, it's like 30 people plus myself now that I work with to help grow this. But I've seen the difference grow you know that's the one thing i think i can share with people is is you can try to bite off and do everything yourself and on your own but sometimes it just takes a teamwork but it's hard when you're the kids your baby it's your child like you said you put these children out into the world and and something might work and i come up with ideas all the time i don't know what work what's gonna work what's not gonna work but sometimes you put something out there and maybe a little money comes back and sometimes you put it out there and Nothing happens, but you still love that you did it. I mm. like that you said that earlier. So awesome. Um, I think that's and- really very, very good advice for me, actually, is, is that I think it's, again, it's like if you're kind of introvert person, you, you tend to want to do everything yourself. And it's really hard to kind of let go of things sometimes. But it's important to get people who are dedicated to what they do to do what they do well. I think it's very, very good advice. I've been thinking about the same thing actually for the my label because for the same reason that it's kind of not committed enough to running a label because I'm doing all my own stuff, and you need to have like you need to have that commitment. So I think I might follow your advice and <laughs> and hire someone for a day a week. You know, yeah, uh, a virtual you know, assistant. Definitely. I mean, now that people are accustomed to working from home or working around the world, you know, finding somebody that's a virtual assistant just to take on some of those day-to-day mm. duties of just even answering emails. And, and, you know, it took me time, like my first, my, my VA, it took me time. Like he was just shooting out emails. And when they came back, I'd say, just forward them to me. Okay. Yeah, these yeah, emails yeah. were going out yeah. and I was coming back and answering them. And then over time I would CC them or BCC them on the emails so they could see how I'm responding and there'd be template, almost template responses I was giving over and over again. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. the past 25 times I responded in 25 different ways. Now you can start responding to these emails that way. And then kick them to me when they finally sign up and say, okay, you're signed up. 
Now I've introduced you to Darren, and Darren will take it over from here and answer any questions. Nice. Yeah, so I'm yeah, not going yeah. back and forth on 15 different threads on emails because we were sending like a few months ago, we were sending out 300 emails a week. So you can just think of the responses that are coming back in and yeah, trying to field all those. I'm, you know, but um, yeah, that's awesome. And going, uh, looking at your website, I was going over it. I noticed that you have a store on your website. Can you tell us a little bit about the merchandise or, or the things, the items one would find at the Chris Coco website for sale? To be honest, there's not very many um, because the main thing is the music. Um, so, I mean, we, we talked about the, the um, Chill Out Tent CD. We've, we've tried a few, a couple of T-shirts and things like that. But honestly, the main thing is music. It's really not... Um, I, uh, because again, it's exactly what we're talking about. This is a different job, you know. Um, and I try, I try to delve, you know, dip into it because you see that a lot of labels and artists are doing T-shirts, for example. But the my my whole is that a cat? Yeah. This is Yama. Yeah, the cat. Hey, Yama likes to meow. Yama oh, will try yeah. to get in the show and get. Yama will try to get screen time anytime he can. Excellent. And yeah, Cobalt's running around too and we'll jump on the screen usually as well. Excellent, man. That's really cool. But yeah, not a lot, not a lot of merchandise things, because that's honestly the music is, you know, if anybody wants to investigate anything, it would be like listen to some of the music, because there might be something that that you really love there, which would be a good, a good yeah. thing. Well, we're wrapping things up here. Is there anything else you'd like to let our DJ sessions fans know before we let you go? Um, we, we've done a lot. We talked a lot, which is really nice, actually. It's nice just to talk about stuff. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, the main thing is just check out the, um, you know, chriscoco.com and the, the disappear band camp. Um, chriscoco.com. Yeah. And, and Chris Coco. Yeah. camp. Yeah, and that, that'll take you back to disappear, which is the label, um, also on Bandcamp because all the stuff's there and it, you can listen to all of it. You don't you don't have to buy anything. You can just listen to it and see what you think. Because um, there's lots of different worlds to explore, you know, musically. And that's, Absolutely, and, that's, and like I said, I would love to get out there sometime. I, I don't know if you're planning the trip to Ibiza anytime soon, but um, yeah, in about two weeks, in fact. Awesome. Are you going to be going to ADE this year? I think so. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we should yeah. definitely connect there. If you do, we are planning to go there. We have some big oh, stuff right. Excellent. planning yeah. to announce there and, and uh, got a partnership we're working on. Super excited. It's my first time going to Europe. My first time going to Amsterdam. First time going to ADE. Oh, so, man, you love Amsterdam. It's great. I, it's great I know. We're, we're super excited. We're there for the week. And, um, you know, it, it's just it, – I, I just can't wait to go see that. My standards have been kind of elevated um, a little bit and, and now I'm ready to kind of take on the world. And the first thing I'm going to do is going out of the country is going to ADE. <laughs> Great. That's really good news. Yeah. yeah. I think you really enjoy that. So we can definitely hook up there and I'd love to grab an interview with you if you're on site there. Yeah. As yeah well. I'm sure. And we'll follow up with you every six months. We plan to stay in touch with all of our artists that come on the series. So cool. we'll definitely be talking to you here soon. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the DJ sessions today. My pleasure, man. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, 
Instagram, Meta, we're out there. But the best place to go is the DJSessions.com. Over 600 news stories a month. You can find us on Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, and soon-to-be Apple TV, mobile app, and in our VR nightclubs. But it's all at the DJSessions.com. That's Chris coming in from London. I'm Darren coming in from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington for the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions. And remember, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops.